welcome to Tea, Toast, and Trivia. Thank you for listening in. I am your host, Rebecca Budd, and I look forward to sharing this moment with you. I am delighted that blogger, nonfiction writer, and memoir author Debbie Geese and I are connecting Toronto and Vancouver, Canada. Debbie is a Canadian author, writing under the pen name of DGK. She writes about real life and the events that she has had to navigate through and overcome. Her intent is to inspire others by sharing her stories and the lessons that have come along with them. In her podcast, Grief the Real Talk, Debbie speaks from the heart and from personal experience. She takes listeners through the painful journey of her grief after losing the love of her life, sharing her observations about the changes that occur during the grieving process. I invite you to put the kettle on and add to this profound and moving conversation. Welcome, Debbie. I am thrilled that you have joined me today. Thank you, Rebecca. I am so thrilled to be asked back here again and have a chat with you about new topics. Debbie, you always bring the best to a conversation and it is so enjoyable to meet up with you once again. Thank you. That's pretty high praise. Debbie, in 2021, you lost the love of your life. You write, When the grief overcame me, I found my only way to move forward was through my writing and communication with others who understand this journey. You took the discussion to your podcast, Grief, The Real Talk. Tell me how your podcast evolved. When I lost my husband, besides being the most traumatic thing that has happened to me in my life, it was during the COVID lockdowns. Besides the fact that I could not get my husband into the hospital because of protocols, it was lockdown time when nobody would go near anyone. And the loneliness of my anticipatory grief while watching my husband fade from me daily, compounded with the ultimate death of my husband, left me in a very dark place alone. Writing my thoughts and fears out nightly helped to ease the terrifying load off my head, as well as reading many books on grief from the clinical personal stories. I searched grief groups, forums, and couldn't find a place where I felt any comfort. I realized that there's a big open niche for the bereaved. Real talk on not just the grief itself, but all the components and side effects of it that us grievers are left with when our whole world changes in that moment after losing our other half. Through sharing what I've experienced in my own grief and discovering that so much of the fallout after losing someone dear are shared commonalities with other grievers. There are phases and moments we all share as common grievers, but topics not always brought to the forefront because typically death and all that comes with it are not usual topics of conversation people like to engage in. It wasn't helping me 
But the forums were telling me that I wasn't alone and that people were having these same issues that nobody really talks about. Eating disorders and depression, triggers, alienation. Very huge, very huge topic in the world of widowdom. People disappear. It took courage. When you're going through it, Rebecca, you're not feeling that courage. You're just looking to get through another day. And maybe I am lucky because I have a very strong personality. There's times when you go to that dark side and it's sometimes hard to come out. When your mind goes back into the past and good times, sometimes it is safe there. I find that everything I do now is with purpose and I need an escape. I need an escape typically at nighttime. That's my blog reading time and that's my time where the mind wanders when your mind isn't engaged with work. Usually I'm doing two things at one time to keep my mind very occupied so it won't go to places it doesn't need to go. Even if I'm watching a movie, I'm on the computer. I know it's bad. I guess I'm the multitasker, but the mistress of none. (laughs) What you bring out in your podcasts, and I have listened to every one of them, is that grief is a deeply personal journey. People anticipate that all grief is shared or all grief is the same. But that is not so, is it? No, that is absolutely not so. Every grief is individual. Every grief depends on the relationship that you shared with the person you lost. And what I like to say is the more you love, the more you're going to grieve. It's an endless journey. It's like walking through the dark and trying to find your way. And eventually people do, but you never come out the same. I think grief is so many things and the carnage done to our souls in its aftermath. Grief is just an overflowing love that we hold dear in our hearts for a person that no longer dwells on earth. Grief is simply love with no place left to go. So it stores up in our heart and becomes part of our daily living in our new world. How to describe it is so complex. But many of us grievers, as I have learned and feel myself, as though we carry an added weight within us, that we eventually adjust to carrying this extra weight, which becomes our new companion through the rest of our days. That is my summation of grief. You describe grief as love with no place to go. I've read that phrase like that in various books that I've come across in this journey. So I put my own spin on it. It's a common thing. What else can you say? What is grief? It's love. Grief is love. Why do we grieve? Because we loved, because we hurt, because we miss. It's a small word with so many connotations. When you've shared your life with somebody for 25 years and you are soulmates, it's like you're missing an appendage. Your podcast discussions involve topics that were a surprise to me. And yet, I understood immediately why we do not understand grieving until it actually happens to us. You discuss our ability to keep healthy during the grieving process how we adapt to a new identity when we lost the one that we had with the loved one. These are deep discussion points. 
How did you approach those topics? As far as approaching the topics, I just made a list that I was experiencing and that I had noted from forums that I visited to see how other people are expressing their grief, what's the problem, how people have changed, how their life has become empty. So many people go through things that they don't want to tell the people close to them because they don't want to hurt them. They don't want them to have to feel for their pain all the time. Rebecca, grieving is a solitary thing. That's what it is. I would say that grief is like an illness that we learn to live with. With it comes a barrage of side effects, and for many, health becomes compromised, as did mine, which I did talk about in many of my blogs. In the year after losing my husband, when the mind is steeped in grief, nothing else feels like it matters. You lose your desire. You don't care. Some people eat when they're sad, and some people don't eat. I'm in the don't eat club. When I'm stressed, I can't look at food. My eating became sparse, hence were the nutrients that I was getting. This went on for about eight months until my doctor sent me out for tests, and the lab reports on my health scared the heck both out of me and my doctor, enough to shake me back into reality. Yes, I miss my husband tragically, but I'm not ready to go yet. And eating disorders are just one of many side effects of one going through grief. That's just one example of what most grievers don't talk about. Either because they may not even be aware of their changed habits, or they aren't comfortable talking about yet another negative effect of grievedom. That's my new word, grievedom. It's a roller coaster. Grief is learning a new language because... You're not the same person anymore. You are not the same person. It doesn't matter how much you strive to be, you're not. You are learning to walk again by yourself. And triggers. Triggers can be anything we see, hear, smell, taste, or touch after our couple world becomes a solo. A picture, a song, a food, a movie, a word, anything can set off a trigger and instill a momentary lapse into grief, unexpectedly and anywhere. For me, I can honestly say it's almost like a form of PTSD that war vets suffer from what they've seen and experienced. Triggers are like an emotional stronghold that momentarily take us over, that often are combined with an overwhelming fear and anxiety that come upon us. My trigger, especially, is trying to fight the replays in my head of watching my husband die for months, doing all I could to help him be comfortable and loved, yet my hands were tied to get him into a hospital. Those visions are the ones that still surface, catching me off guard because I've mentally been training myself not to allow myself to go there. But when they do sneak through, they sometimes have the power to bring me to my knees, Rebecca. Each griever will have their own individual type of triggers. So is it possible for individuals to navigate the complex emotions of grief or griefdom, as you say, and find solace in their journey? I've read that some eventually do where others just take it and move on silently with a hole in their hearts, like I still feel. It's definitely, though, a solo journey living through grief. Grief doesn't disappear. 
With time, we merely have to find a way to tuck it down inside and learn to live gracefully with it. But I'm still wearing my baby shoes. You have a strong commitment to building an inclusive and compassionate community, Debbie. What was your key motivation for sharing your insights on grieving? My initial reason for wanting to write and podcast about grief is because when I was searching for wisdom on how to traverse this journey, I came across same discussions and forums from others in grief groups. Many of us are learning to live over again in a new way in our solo lives. What I've taken from my own discoveries and those of others is that nobody likes to think or talk about death, and many have no clue what to do with a grieving person, so they shy away from us. I'm trying to educate people in my blog post. In each segment, I discuss another issue that grievers must learn to adapt to and cope with. I use my experience because everybody's is different, but the roundabout effect is the same. So I'm not telling anybody what to do because that's not what I'm here for. By sharing my experience the same way I have read other people's experiences, I'm hoping to give something off to somebody that I needed when I was in search. Debbie, you have a gift of communicating complex, emotional, necessary conversations in a way that you deliver hope. What came through on every conversation on your podcast is a need for us to embrace our humanity, to embrace who we are and how we engage with death of the loved one. And that is a gift. Thank you so much for that, Rebecca. As you already know, I'm working on a very big book on grief. And it's probably going to take me another year and a half till it gets anywhere near being published. You have to distance yourself from every so often. It just claws at your heart. You can't just sit there and reread and reread. You need a distraction and then to come back to it. That book is me and it's my life and my love with my husband. But it's something that many people share with their spouse. And it's something that they'll all have to face and the questions that they might wonder about. I just think it's going to be a really good book to help other people. All my books are memoir, but they're my stories and people relate. Sadly, death isn't relatable, but it's a fact. Someone's got to talk about it. So here I am. How should we relate to people who are going through the grieving process? What should we say to them? Good question, Rebecca. And actually, I wrote about this one in one of my podcasts. People, when they're in their grieving mode, and at their worst, words are irrelevant. You will say, I'm sorry for your loss because you are. That's enough. Be present and be a pair of ears. Come and sit with me. Sit in my silence with me or just let me talk and be the ears. Because that is really, really what we need. And that is what a lot of grievers stuff down. They're not comfortable talking to anybody about anything. And sometimes we aren't. And when you're in your darkest moments, you don't want to talk. Just to know somebody's there, somebody to hold your hand, to give you a hug, to say, you know what? I know I can't make this better for you, but I am here for you. And if you want to talk about your loved one, go on and on and on. I'm here to listen. 
And that's really what we want. I think it's maybe an inner thing. Like we think that our person was so wonderful and we just want other people to know that too. There's so much about this topic, Rebecca. There's so many little things that get you. The moments. I remember grocery shopping after my husband died. Walking down the aisles and grab the thing that you always buy. and Nope, don't need that anymore. It is haunting. We could probably talk all day about all the symptoms and all the triggers, but each person will have their own individual moments and grief and how they get through it. But if we can just have a place that we can talk, that we can find like-minded people, people who are actually wearing the shoes, because you can't know it unless you have worn the shoe. You can't. Debbie, you have talked about grief today, but I know from our conversations that you are also going on living. What are you doing now? As you know, I used to always go away with my husband to Mexico for a good chunk of the winter. I did go last winter, and I don't know what I'm doing this coming winter. I feel like I have to branch out, so I haven't made any plans yet. As far as my writing goes, I am always writing. I may not always be publishing what I'm writing, but eventually it'll come out. I write for my blog every week. I write for Sally Cronin's Smorgasbord blog magazine. I write a couple times a month in my spiritual awareness column, my podcast, other blog interviews. I read a lot of books. I review a book every Sunday on my blog. I have finally joined a gym a year ago. That was a scary thing for me. My friends pushed me to get out because I could sit home on my computer all day. It's a women's gym only, on purpose, five minutes from where I live, and I go to classes. It gives me a schedule. So I go three, four times a week. I go to a class. I go to Zumba. I go to yoga. I go to body balance. Tai Chi. I have made friends with all the women who work there. After my workout, I spend another hour to an hour and a half up at the front desk with my girls. They make me laugh. They think I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. And you know what? Everybody knows me there already. To me, it's like the cheers bar where everybody knows your name. That's how I keep busy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thank you for this wonderful, wonderful conversation. I'm so glad, Rebecca, and I know it's not the greatest topic, but it's something that needs to be discussed, and I am so happy that you asked me to talk about it. I would like to talk about it again. Will you come back on Tea, Toast, and Trivia? You know I love our conversations, and I would be only too happy to come back again to be on your show, Rebecca. Thank you so much for letting me talk about this very heartfelt topic. And that is a wonderful way to end this conversation. Thank you for joining Debbie and me on Tea, Toast, and Trivia. And a special thank you, Debbie, for sharing your insights on grieving. Listeners, I invite you to meet up with Debbie on her blog, dgkwriter.com, on her podcast, 
Grief, The Real Talk, her Amazon page, and on Goodreads. It is a place that welcomes profound conversations that remind us to live, laugh, and breathe. Until next time we meet, dear friends, safe travels wherever your adventures lead you.